0: Go tell Peter and the disciples, or go tell the disciples and Peter, He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him, just as He told you. These were the instructions given to the women who were the first to discover that death could not hold Jesus down. Despite the shock and confusion of seeing an empty tomb, An encounter with an angelic being, these remarkable women were composed enough to deliver that message faithfully. We know this because in John chapter 21, we find the disciples, at least seven of them, in Galilee, just like they had been instructed to to go do. Now, although Jesus had, the resurrected Jesus, had made a couple of quick visits to the disciples while they were still in Jerusalem, They made the decision to travel the 80 or so miles with high hopes of being able to spend a little bit more time with Jesus. And yes, they were excited to be able to have time with their Lord and Savior, but at the same time, I anticipate that they were also holding some great anticipation that they might gain insight into what was to come next. What's this all about? What are we to do? It's hard to sit and wait, isn't it? Uh, especially when your heart is racing with anticipation. And I'm guessing the disciples on those, for that particular occasion, they, they probably felt a lot like a, a 16-year-old boy who's waiting for his date to come down the stairs on homecoming night. Or maybe they felt like that uh, first-time mother who's waiting for the doctor to place her newborn in her arms for the very first time. There are very few things in life as trying, as waiting for that person who holds a special place in your heart to arrive. How long they waited for the resurrected Jesus to show up in Galilee, I I don't know, but I do know at a certain moment, Peter decided he couldn't do it anymore. He couldn't just sit and wait. I'm going fishing, he announced to the other disciples. And evidently, it sounded like a good idea to them because they made the decision to go fishing with him. And what started it out as just this great idea to go spend some time on the lake. Uh, before long, it turned into nothing more than frustration and disappointment. Why is that? Well, it's because they spent an entire night on the lake and they had nothing to show for it. They didn't catch some fish, they didn't catch a little fish, they caught nothing. I, I have a buddy who once shared with me that he finds so much joy in fishing that it doesn't matter to him if he catches anything or not. I don't get that. <laughs> I get bored after about 15 or 20 minutes. About enough. But I, you can feel that way, I suppose, if fishing is just a recreational hobby. But if it's your business, if it's money in your pocket, if it's food on your plate, if it's a roof over the head of your family then there's no fun to be found in being completely shut out. So I imagine as that prime time for fishing began to turn into a brand new day, frustration, frustration was just a part of their their life at that moment, and weariness began to fill their their bones. And if being shut out wasn't bad enough, there was now some guy on the shore who was well, he was questioning their lack of success. Friends, haven't you any fish? He called out. But, but he didn't stop with a simple question. He then offered a suggestion and the suggestion was this. Throw your nets on the right side of the boat and there you will find some. And, and why these professional fishermen decided to take fishing advice from a complete stranger? I don't know, but it's a good thing they did. Because soon after taking that advice, they had so much fish flopping around in their net that they couldn't haul it into their their boat. And with that turn of fortune, John began to realize that the stranger on the shore was no stranger at all. We read these words in John chapter 21 and verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord How did John know that? Had the morning mist dissipated to the point where they could finally make out who was standing on the shore? Had the boat moved in close enough to shore that they recognized the one who was calling out to them? Perhaps, but I don't think so. I tend to believe that John realized it was Jesus before he even caught sight of him. And why was he able to be able to to make that realization? I believe it's because of this, because he had been in this situation before. Three years earlier, he had spent an entire night on the lake, and he didn't have anything to show for it. And on that particular occasion, Jesus said to those disciples, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your nets. I want you to throw them into the deep parts. And on that particular occasion, their nets began to tear and their boat began to sink from the haul of fish that they were able to bring in. You see, it was John who understood that it was Jesus who could turn a night of nothing into a day of abundance, a night of frustration into a day of celebration. As John thought about that previous occasion that he shared with Jesus on the lake, I have no doubt that he also began to remember the words that Jesus spoke to the disciples on that occasion. These were his words, now you will, you will fish for people. Now you'll fish for people. And this is why I believe Jesus wanted to meet the disciples on that early morning in Galilee after being raised from the dead. He wanted to remind them that this was what their lives were to be all about, that they were to fill their days fishing for people. Now was not the time to go back to what they had previously known. Now was not the time to go back to being commercial fishermen. Now was the time to keep pressing forward, to keep loving and serving and inviting people into the kingdom of God. And I believe that the Holy Spirit decided that this is one of the stories, out of the millions of stories that can be told about Jesus, this is one of the stories that's going to be contained in Scripture for all generations to read because there are so many days in which we encounter frustration and disappointment in this task that Jesus has given us to do. Don't you find that to be true? We love and we serve and we invite, only to see a few people actually come. We initiate conversations about Jesus to see people sidestep the topic. We serve people in the community and they say, you know what, we're going to show up to one of your church services and they they never show up. We teach Bible classes and oftentimes people look like they're far more bored than when they want to be there. We read and we study, we plan and we prepare, we invite and we host, and very few people seem to take part. And isn't there a part of you that would just like to hang it up because it seems like the fish just don't bite anymore? There is for me. So I need this story. I need to hear Jesus say, throw out your net. I need to hear Jesus say that because Jesus is the one who knows where to fish. And Jesus is aware of those people who are searching for him. He is fully aware of those people all around you who desire to know him, whether they fully realize it or not. And if we'll listen to him, if we'll listen closely, he'll show us where to fish. And Maybe that's the problem, right? Could it be that we become so confident in our knowledge and our abilities and our strategizing and past successes that we don't tune into Jesus or rely on Jesus quite like we used to? If we die, desire for anything to change, then this has to change. Do you remember what these disciples did? These very disciples that Jesus met on that shore, what they did after receiving their marching orders to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Remember what they did first? They started telling people about Jesus, right? Now, we read these words in Acts chapter 1 and verse 12 through 14. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, and James, son of Alpha- Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealots, and Judas, son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and it was finally time to throw out their gospel net. Do you remember what they caught? They brought in a hall of 3,000 new converts, and I wonder, I wonder what might happen if we did the same. I wonder what might happen if we spent more time talking to God instead of talking about God. I wonder what might happen if we spent more time on our knees instead of around our tables coming up with strategies. I wonder what might happen if we spent more time listening to the Holy Spirit than listening to the latest author or the hot new podcast that's out there. there. I wonder and I don't know. I don't know, but I do know this, that it, it couldn't hurt anything, right? If we followed their example and prayed and prayed and prayed. And so let's do that for a moment. Let's pray. And here's what I'd like for us to do. We do it occasionally, but I'd like for you together with three or four or five other people that are in your area, and to spend some, just a few minutes in prayer. But please, let's not make this a time about praying for those who are sick physically. Let's not spend the time praying about the current stress on our life. Let's pray about fishing. Let's ask the Holy Spirit where and how He wants us to fish. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind those people that Jesus is preparing to receive the good news of His life, death, and resurrection. Let's pray specifically for the Explore God initiative that will begin next Sunday morning in which over a hundred plus churches in this Bay Area will be talking about big questions of life and hopes that people will come to know Jesus Christ. Let's pray those types of prayers for just a few moments. Now, I know this can be kind of a strange, unsettling experience for those of you who are guests, or maybe it's your very first time, and we want you to feel completely at home. And so those of you who are members, please take a look around, and if you see someone you don't know, please invite them to join you and your friends as you begin to pray. And then also guests, please know this, and this goes for members as well, if you don't feel comfortable participating, you don't have to say a word, Uh, just spend time listening to others pray. And if you are really, really introverted, which I understand, we don't want you to feel put on the spot. And I say this in sincerity, it's not a joke. There's coffee and there's tea in the Welcome Center. Feel more than welcome to step in there for just a few moments if you would prefer. You'll see on the screen what we're doing. Uh, And maybe that would give you a sense of peace. And so if you need that, please do that at this time. But for the rest of us, let's stand and let's spend just a few moments in prayer uh, together. As you draw your prayer time uh, to a close, please listen to these words of the Apostle Paul. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I have a favor to ask of you. Would you be willing to spend at least 10 minutes a day for the next 30 days? praying again for the Holy Spirit to show you, show us where and how to fish, praying for the Holy Spirit to show you and to show us how to best serve our community in the world, praying for the Holy Spirit to show you and us who he specifically has in mind to reach for the glory of Jesus Christ. If you'd be willing to do that, I'd like to ask you to please take out your phone and set an alarm for 7.30 in the morning or 7.30 in the evening or both. When you hear that alarm go off, may it be a reminder to you that this is now the time to pray about those things that I've just mentioned. As you spend those 30 days in prayer, here's my anticipation because I believe the Spirit is faithful. I believe the Spirit will begin to impress some things on your heart that you need to hear and we need to hear. And so I want to ask you at the end of 30 days, just during those 30 days, be jotting those observations, opportunities down. But then at the 30, end of 30 days, would you please email those to me? Uh, we'll enter into a season of beginning to plan for next year before too long. And I'd love to have just kind of what the Spirit's saying to all of us as a community. What's it look like for us? Where do we go next? How we best reach this community? And so let's spend some time praying about that and thinking about that and listening. Now, one word of caution. If the Holy Spirit gives you a lot of things that everybody else should be doing, but he doesn't speak directly to you, that's probably not the Holy Spirit, okay? (laughs) Should be a word for you and us as well. Now, just in case an alarm's not enough, here's what we're going to do for the next 30 days. We're going to send out a text message every single day, and it's going to say, pray, listen, notice, share. Pray for God to work. Listen to the Holy Spirit as he directs. Notice opportunities, insights. Share by speaking about Jesus and and serving. Now, if you're here this morning and thinking, that's the last thing I want is a text reminder every single day for 30 days, I understand. We're not going to be offended. Just contact the church office. They'll remove you from that list. We'll put you on another list. Uh, That's okay. No, I'm I'm kidding. It's okay. You may not want to participate. No judgment whatsoever. Uh, If you do want to participate, I I want us to do this as a family. Uh, I want us to listen closely as a church. And so I hope you will participate. When the disciples realized that it was Jesus on the shore, What did Peter do? Peter dove into the water. He began to swim, swam the hundred yards or so to the shore. Well, everybody else, they brought in the boats and all the fish. Once arriving on that shore, guess what was waiting for them? Breakfast. John chapter 21, verse 9 and 10 and verse 12, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've caught. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. These fishing pros, they may have struggled with catching fish on the lake. Jesus didn't have any problem coming up with fish on the shore. And to me, that's a beautiful reminder. It's a beautiful reminder that Jesus isn't going to have any trouble at all reaching people. He's just not. I like that. I like to know that this whole Christian enterprise thing, it doesn't rest on my shoulders. It doesn't rest on your shoulders. It doesn't. Jesus has this completely under control. As Jesus told Peter on another occasion, he said, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And just everybody relax. I've got this under control. This kingdom of God thing, it's, it's here, it's now, it's moving, it's going to be accomplished. I've got it but I'm inviting you to be a part of it. And I want you to participate, and you have something to offer, and to share, and to give, and you get to be a part of the joy of being part of what God's doing in our society, in our community, in our world. That's what our Lord and Savior offers to us. And I'm reminded that it is moving, while Christianity in this nation may be declining, there may seem to be a disinterest here and now, it is booming. It's taking off in so many other places in the world. I was listening to a podcast this week in which the presenter said this, in Iran, it is growing at a rate in which it can be argued it has never been seen before in the history of the world. Can you imagine that? They say it's outdoing the house church movement that took place in China. It is phenomenal how the gospel of Jesus Christ is moving in that country. Jesus has got this. But everything that you offer to Him, everything that you bring to Him, when you minister under His direction, He gladly receives it, and He takes that in. As soon as Peter caught the sin of the charcoal fire burning, I can only imagine that his mind drifted back then to the last time he stood around a fire. You remember that occasion. It was in the courtyard of Herod when a young girl came up to him and said, hey, you're one of those that was the disciples of the one who's just been taken into custody. She wasn't the only one that asked him that question that night or made that accusation. It happened a couple other times as well. And Peter held this strong conviction, it was a conviction that said, I'll never turn my back on Jesus. I'll always remain faithful to him. He was so convicted about this that on the night of the Passover, on that Thursday night, he shared it with the rest of the disciples. Always be faithful to Jesus. And yet, as we talked about last week, sometimes fear, sometimes fear wins the tug of war with conviction, and it won that night for Peter. Because by the time the the sun began to rise, he had denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. It was just this crushing moment of failure. And I want you to listen to how the gospel writer Luke records it. He says this in Luke chapter 22 and verse 59 through 61. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter, and Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside and wept. I mean, he wept bitterly, just been a few nights prior. Now he's sitting on this shore. The charcoal fire is blazing, and the fish is cooking, and Jesus is looking at his disciples And I imagine Peter, he is just feeling like he's sinking in shame and regret. And it is not hard to identify with Peter, is it? Because we too have moments when we feel like we are taken under by the currents of past failures. Maybe how some of you feel this morning. But that's why I love this story. I love this story because in this moment we see the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ on full display. Because as he's sitting around that charcoal fire getting ready to serve breakfast, he doesn't say, Peter, man, I told you you were going to fail. And he doesn't say, Peter, how could you after all that I had done for you? And Peter, how could you be so bold in making these proclamations? You would never fail. And then you did. he didn't say any of those things. Instead, what he did was he asked him a question to launch him into a better future, an exciting future, and this was his question. You know it well. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I've shared this with you before, but there's a lot of speculation, a lot of different opinions about what Jesus was referring to when he said more than these. Some argue that Jesus was saying, Peter, do you love me more than these, these fishing nets and these fishing boats? And others say, no, he was saying, Peter, do you love me more than these disciples that you're friends with, that you've been in community with? And I would argue the answer is yes. The question was Jesus was asking, Peter, do you love me more than, you work, than your work, and do you love me more than your relationships? And it's the same question that he asked us this morning, isn't it? Is your love for me so great that all of your other loves, your career, your family, your hobbies, your relationships, all of your other loves come second to me? Do you love me that much? He asked that question and then he asked it again and then he asked it again. It was almost as if Jesus didn't believe Peter when he said, yes, Lord, I do love you. And this stung Peter. We read these words in verse 17, Peter was hurt. He was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Peter was right. Jesus knew how much Peter loved him. So why did he ask him this question three times? I think for a couple of reasons. First, he wanted Peter to understand the weight of the commitment that he was making. That by making this commitment to Jesus Christ, he was ensuring the way he was going to die. That on that early morning on that shore in Galilee, Jesus made it very clear that if you make this commitment to me, if you truly love me, if you're really going to follow me into this adventure, here's where it's leading you, Peter. It's leading you to your own crucifixion. That's where you're headed. John chapter 21 and verse 18 and 19, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Following Jesus always comes with a, a, a cost, there's a, there's a price to pay, there's, it is for Peter, there was for Peter, there it is for us, it's going to cost you something, it should cost you something, it's going to cost you time, money, energy, Cost you comfort, it costs you finances, it's going to cost you something, it may even cost you your life. Shared with you a few weeks ago about the missionary. I've shared with you in the past about this missionary. We're helping sponsor some kids in India that he runs that orphanage, as well as does all kinds of work throughout India. Shared with you in the Friday email a couple weeks ago. There's all kinds of persecution that has broken out in Manipur, India. This particular missionary, I just refer to him as GP. Uh, he asks that we don't broadcast it anywhere, and since we're live stream, we don't say his name. But when everybody else was saying it is too scary to go into that place to help those people, churches being burned down, lives being taken for the name of Jesus, GP says somebody's got to go into those places and care for those people. And so he went. He went to take food. He went to take money. He went to take medicine. He went into that place and he has faced persecution. He has had his life put at stake. But Jesus has been faithful and he continues to follow Jesus. Following Jesus will cost you something if you do it the way Jesus calls us to do it. But in the sacrifice, we glorify God. That's what he said to Peter. That's the way you're going to die, but it's the way you'll glorify God. But I think there's a a second reason, perhaps more significant reason, that Jesus asked the question three times. Here's my hunch. He was trying to help Peter put to rest his past. He was trying to give him the opportunity to build a new memory, to replace a memory of failure and fear with a memory of conviction, commitment, and courage. So, he gave him the opportunity to state his love for him three times you denied me three times. You're holding on to that. It's wrecking your life. You feel like you're drowning in this shame and regret. Guess what? We're going to replace it now with three times of you telling me just how much you love me. That's what he wants for you this morning. That Maybe you, you come in here, you're holding some stuff. You've blown it in the past. It's there. You can't let it go. And Jesus says, just share with me. How do you feel about me this morning? Do you love me? Let's replace that past with where you are right now. Because right now is, is what matters. And each time Peter shares how he loves Jesus, Jesus then gives him a job to do, and it's Phrase just a little bit different each time, but essentially it says, feed and take care of my sheep. And by giving him that job, he affirms to Peter, you still have a place in the kingdom of God. You still have a place in this work that I'm doing. And that's why this story is here this morning, because those words are for Peter, but they're also for us, or they're for every person who's blown it in the past, who is still haunted by the past, but still has a heart for Jesus. Jesus says, you still got a place in my work, There's still more I want you to do. What is the Jesus you want us to do? I want you to fish and I want you to feed. I want you to take care of my sheep. I want you you to tell people about Jesus and I want you to serve people. That's what I want you to do. So I just leave you with this question this morning How can you best do that this week? How can you best do it this week? Who can you tell about Jesus? and who needs your care.